Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, good evening, student ministries. How are we feeling tonight? Oh, so like kind of okay. That's good, that's good. Ooh, I don't got my glasses on, so you look like a bunch of blurry faces. But it's good to see you. Are you well? Are you well? You got your Bibles? All right, a couple of you, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to John 16. John 16, guys, the summer is almost over. I know, it's kind of like awe, but it's like, None of us know what the fall is going to look like. So it's like, eh. We are almost in August. Almost in August, which means the fall is almost here. Hopefully school years get going normally. Maybe not. Okay, just, just give me a kind of consensus. How many of you actually like want to go back to school? Let me see a hand. Oh, how many of you are like, uh-uh, give me quarantine round two. I want to sit at home. We're going to pray for all of you by the end of the night. Going to pray for all of you by the end of the night. I'm ready to see some people. I'm glad to see your faces, your faces. I got a question for you. I got a question for you. I want you to be honest with me. In the last four months especially, but I'm going to ask you really more generally in your entire life. I want you to think, is there a time that you felt some deep sorrow? Time that you felt some deep sorrow. Life was just hard. It was hard. It's like, I know this is kind of a depressing note to start the message on. I'm sorry. Have you ever, had, have you ever experienced some deep sorrow? Maybe it was from parents getting divorced. Things aren't going well at home. Maybe quarantine took place and you are an extrovert to the max. <laughs> And you just felt deep sorrow for three months because you couldn't see people. That was my wife. Deep sorrow. And then you're an introvert. And it was like, this, the last four months were glorious. It's like, you don't have to feel bad about not seeing people. But a time in your life where you felt deep sorrow. Second question I have for you. Is there a time in your life where you felt some extreme doubt? This one's probably a little bit more common. Doubt. You know, we come to church, we open up this book, you hear a pastor preach, you hear the worship team get up here and sing about a man named Jesus who makes the darkness tremble. And at the end of the day, if you're honest with yourself, it means nothing to you. It means nothing to you. So you go, well, what now? And so you kind of walk in this, this space of doubt where, you know what, this is all well and good, but I don't really believe in this. Third question I have for you. Has there been a time in your life, and it might be right now, where you experienced fear? Absolute fear. Terrified. Like your inner being struggles to breathe because you're afraid. And I'm willing to bet that every person in this room has probably experienced all three of those words. You know why? Because you're human. And it's human to feel sorrowful, it's human to feel doubt, and it's human to feel fear. But I have good news for you tonight. 
Jesus is I am. Yeah, I like that whistle. Keep those coming. Jesus is I am. And I want to show you tonight, this is the last night we're going to spend in this series, how Jesus being I am matters, especially for those three things, your sorrow, your doubt, and your fear. Let's pray. Lord, would you make us aware of your presence tonight? Your presence tonight. Father, I'm going to do something bold. I'm going to ask this room to follow you tonight. I'm going to ask this room, every young man and every young woman, to take up their cross and follow you tonight. And my prayer for them and my prayer for myself tonight is that you would show us that you are worthy of being followed. Is that you would show us that there is no other kind of life worth living than following you. I pray tonight that the veil of unbelief would be shredded tonight. I pray you would give us all ears to hear you. I pray you would awaken relationships with you tonight. I pray that you would reignite stagnant relationships with you tonight. I pray that this would be a space over the next 25 minutes where intimacy with you is experienced tonight. Would you come and have your way? Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, would you come and have your way here with us? We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And if you're ready for tonight, say amen. Amen. Let's, let's do this. John 16, starting in verse 20. These are the words of Jesus talking. And he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. But, everyone say but. That's just with one T, not two. Don't get weird. But your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one, everyone say no one. No one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy 
may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Listen here, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, but in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I love this chapter in the gospel of John. I absolutely love it. We're having this moment where Jesus is coming to the very end of his final discourse with his disciples. These are his final words before he's about to take off to the garden of Gethsemane and be killed. And up until this point, he's kind of talked in some kind of figurative, lack of understanding type of speech for the disciples. He kind of keeps using this language like, I'm about to leave you, I'm gonna go. In the chapter preceding, he says, look, I'm gonna give you a comforter. I'm gonna send somebody to you that's gonna help you. And we know later on that he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, and we'll get to that later. But he says, look, I'm gonna leave and you're not, you're not, you can't follow me. You can't come with me. And Peter's already tried to speak up at this point and he got rebuked real quick, so nobody's talking. They're just listening. And he says, look, I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna come back to you. And they're so confused. And then he kind of comes into this statement with saying, truly, truly, I say to you, you are going to be full of sorrow and you are going to lament. He gets real depressing. You're gonna be really sorrowful and you're really gonna lament. But don't worry, things are going to change. Now, 2,000 years later, if you know the story of Scripture, you know what Jesus is talking about here. His disciples have no clue that he's about to be betrayed, that he's about to be taken, broken, beaten, bruised, tortured, and then put on a cross. They got no idea that it's about to happen. And Jesus' language here clearly lets us know he knows his time has come. His time has come. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about communication, everyone say communication. It's really important that we understand that the meaning, okay, or, or how communication takes place is that you do not focus on what is said, you focus on what is meant. Are you with me? You don't focus on what is said, you focus on what is meant. Fellas, hear me. You are going to learn this really, really well when you get married. There is a huge difference in effective communication by what is said and by what is meant. I need to give you an example. 
I know the sin nature is still present and God is sanctifying me in my life. Every single time I pull through a drive-thru of a restaurant and I look at the most beautiful woman in the world sitting to my right and I ask this question, do you want anything? Do you want anything? And here's what I have come to learn. There are two responses that help me get the answer that I am looking for. And here's how I know the sin nature is in me. I'm going to be honest. I hate, H-A-T-E, capitalized, hate sharing my food. I hate it. This is so bad. But I, if you steal a French fry from me, if we ever go out to eat, I will slap you in the face. Like, do not take my food. It's like, look, and here's my thing. Here's, I, like, I'm fair. I will clean out my bank account to give you all the food you want. Just don't take my food. Don't take my food. Now, here's what I've learned. If I look at my wife and I say, are you hungry? And she gives me this response. No, I'm not that hungry. Her plan and what she means is, I don't care enough to get my own meal, but I plan and anticipate to take from yours. No. No. That is not how marriage works. Hear me now. When my wife says, no, I'm not that hungry, what she means is, I'm not hungry enough to eat my own meal, but I'm hungry enough to mooch off yours. When you're married, it's not mooching. It's all shared, just to be clear. But if I say, are you hungry? And she says, no, I'm not hungry because dot, dot, dot. And she gives me a reason. I know she's not gonna eat my food. She might say, no, I already ate, like, or we're, we're about to go somewhere and eat, and I'm just fat, so I'm trying to have two meals. And she's, she's saying, no, I'm not hungry because I'm going to eat when we get to my parents' house. I'm going to eat when we get to whatever. Then I know at that point, okay, I do not have to enter. I've literally gotten to the point five years in where I buy two sets of fries every time. Every time. Just to make sure I, I'm guaranteed I will get my own fry. Chick-fil-A is the worst fast food restaurant on the planet at giving you enough fries. It's like three and a half waffle fries and a bunch of crumbs. I hate it. There is a difference. There is a difference in communication between what is said and what is, what is meant. Are you with me here tonight? You have the disciples trying to evaluate what Jesus said here. And they can't get it. It's not clicking. And Jesus understands it. Jesus understands it. But what Jesus means here, we have the privilege of being able to see in hindsight. We get to look back and go, oh, that's exactly what he meant. And here's the thing that I want to get after this evening. Three points. If you're taking notes, you can follow me really simply. Jesus gets after three things in this passage that I believe what he's saying is, look, if you will believe that I am, if you will receive that I am, these three things will be your reality. I want you to follow me here. Number one, if you believe that Jesus is I am, Jesus turns sorrow into joy. 
Write it down. We'll put it up on the screen here. Jesus turns sorrow into joy. Verse 20, it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then what he does is he proceeds to liken this moment to a woman giving birth. Ladies, I don't know what it's like to give birth, but it looks awful. And it sounds awful. And stories sound awful. Feelings sound awful. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I'm not sorry because you get to have babies and that's a beautiful thing. But I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. If you're in high school in here and you've been to a public school health class, trauma is the only word I use to define it. I went to Pine Creek High School. Do I have any Pine Creek people in here? Yeah, I'm with you. I went to high school there. Trauma. If you're going there freshman year next year, be weary. Health class. It's rough. It is rough. I don't know what it's like to give birth. Never felt it. Don't plan on it. But what I do know and what I have heard is that's pretty painful. It's pretty painful. And my wife, in her beautiful, ever-loving mind, she wants to have like a million of them. And I don't get it. I'm like, you, you want to go through like this anguish. And the very reason she wants to is what this verse is saying right here. There's going to be pain, but there comes a moment. There comes a moment for a mother, I'm assuming here, and I'm speculating here, where... After all the pain and after hours of delivery, you hear that child's cry. And I can only imagine the day by God's grace when I have my first child and I'm sitting there in that delivery room and I'm holding after watching my wife go through like living hell, a human being. And there's something when a mother gets to hold that child, she gets to hear it cry. And all of a sudden, it's like all of that pain was for this moment. I want you to notice here what Jesus says. He doesn't say, your sorrow will be followed by joy. He says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. In other words, the cause of your sorrow, the cause of your pain is going to become the cause of your joy. Are you following me here tonight? Jesus is our evidence of this. The author of Hebrews lets us know in Hebrews 12, one and two. Look at the screen. The author says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run, everyone say run. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to who? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the what? Joy. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What the, what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's saying all of Jesus' is suffering. Him being there in his moment with the disciples, knowing he's about to go through brokenness at its deepest level. 
sorrow at its deepest level, knowing what he's about to walk through, he said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus' suffering was for greater intimacy, greater relationship, and deeper joy between him and the Father. I need you to look at me. So is your suffering. Are you with me? So is your suffering. The Apostle Paul gets at this in 2 Corinthians 4. Put it on the screen. 2 Corinthians 4, he says, look, for this light and momentary affliction, all of the pain you're experiencing in this life, Paul defines as a light and momentary affliction, is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Did you just hear what scripture said? Your parents going through a divorce, the depression that you might feel in your life right now, our world going through a global pandemic, racial injustice, isolation. What's it all for? What is your pain? What is your sorrow? The things that give you angst at night, the things that make you turn over and can't sleep, what is it for? Paul is saying, it is working for you an eternal weight of glory. I need you to hear me. The pain that you carried in here tonight and all the pain you will experience in your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, is for the very purpose of you finding joy in Jesus. Are you with me? It's not pointless. It's doing something. This is why James, the half-brother of Jesus, opening his letter, said this, count it all what? Say, come on, count it all what? Count it all joy. When you're gonna face various trials of any kind, Joy, why? Because it's going to produce something inside you. It's going to produce something inside you. At the end of this passage, and we're going to get here, we have Jesus saying, this world is going to give you trouble. We all know that to be true in 2020. It's going to give you trouble. Life is not going to be sunshine and rainbows. Life is not going to be health and wealth. Life is not going to be a walk in the park, especially if you follow Jesus. And yet, the promise of the gospel is that the very purpose of your pain is for you to have greater joy in Jesus. Are you with me tonight? If you believe and you receive Jesus as I am, your sorrow will be turned to joy. You with me? Second thing that he promises is that your doubt will be turned into faith. Verse 26 and 27, it says, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Why? Verse 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. In other words, what Jesus is getting at is that a time is coming for his followers where the veil of sin and death is going to be torn in two. 
He's looking at his followers and he goes, you don't understand now. But in a couple hours, I'm going to get betrayed. And in a couple hours, all of you are going to abandon me. And in a couple hours, I'm going to be tortured. And in a couple hours, I'm going to be put on trial. And I'm going to be crucified. And you're going to sit there going, what was all this for? Why were we following this guy that we called rabbi, that we called teacher, that we called master? He says, but look, three days later, you're going to know that I am the son of God. And all of this doubt, all of this confusion that you're wrestling with of what is all this for is going to turn to faith turn to faith. So as opposed to setting your eyes on what you don't know, what Jesus is telling you to do here is keep your eyes on him. You're wrestling with doubt. If you're in here tonight and you don't know if you believe in this, you want to, but you don't, you know what the gospel is saying to do? Look at Jesus. The apostle Paul in his letter to to the church in Colossae, he said this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things, what? That are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Something happens when we begin to see Jesus as Yahweh. Something happens when we begin to see Jesus as El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. Something happens when we begin to see Jesus as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Something happens when we begin to see Jesus as I am. You know why? Because when you can see Jesus as God, you can see God's heart for your life. He says in Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So many times I sit with students and they go, I don't know what he thinks about me. And I'll ask him this question, what do you think he thinks about Jesus? It's really easy to answer that question. He loves him. He's proud of him. He's for him. And you need to understand that when you follow Jesus, you receive him as I am. God thinks that same way about you. He's for you. He's not against you. He sees you as beautiful, blameless, spotless. That's the beauty of the gospel. He takes doubt and he turns it to faith. And then he does one more thing. He says, I'm going to take your fear and I'm going to turn it into peace. I'm going to take your fear and I'm going to turn it into peace. John 6, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I love this verse. I love this verse so much. Because it helps me look at the world 
around us and not be surprised when things don't go my way. And in fact, it helps me expect to see things that won't go my way. I need you to hear me tonight. If you're following Jesus, if you're following Jesus and your world is all sunshine and rainbows and you don't care for those who are broken, you don't care for those who are hurting, you don't care for those who are overlooked, your heart is not broken with the pain that you see in the world, hear me, then you do not follow the Jesus of the Bible. You don't follow the Jesus of the Bible. And I know that that kind of feels discouraging. It's kind of like, what's, what's the point of all this? You telling me here that to follow Jesus, life is going to be hard. Yes. But I love these words. He says, take heart. have overcome the world. I believe with all my heart Jesus is coming after someone in this room tonight. And I believe someone here this evening is feeling like you're walking on the edge of a knife. And the truth is you could care less for all this, but you feel something pulling you. You have a desire. You have a want believe but you look at the world around you and you go if Jesus was good then we wouldn't have to deal with all of this and the temptation is simply just to let go let go and yet Jesus' words to his disciples when he knows they're about to be scattered he knows they're about to feel hopeless Everything that they have understood for the last three years is about to be ripped out from underneath their feet. And he says these three words. But take heart. The Greek word there is tharseo. And its root meaning is take courage. Take courage. You know what I hear? When I hear this, I think of a 14-year-old named Anna Wang, who was a Chinese adolescent, a follower of Jesus in the Boxer Rebellion. And because she refused to renounce her faith, because she chose to see Jesus as I am. She had government authorities take her, put her down, and about to behead her, saying, hey, we'll give you one last chance. One last chance. Let go. Let go and realize that this Jesus is hogwash. And her final words are, look, the door to heaven is open, and his name is Jesus. Is Jesus, is Jesus, and her last word is Jesus as they take her head off. Do you know what she did? She took heart. 
because Jesus overcame the world. I think of another young man, 18 years old, also a follower of Jesus in China, about to be baptized. Government authorities walk in. They stop him. They say, this is the time. Renounce this Jesus. And you need to stop worshiping those who we call God. And he says, not a chance. And they cut off his arm. They started torturing him. Started torturing him. And he sat there and he said, every ounce of my flesh, every drop of my blood, let it be a message to you that I follow Jesus. He is, I am. They burned him alive. I think of a story I was told when I was in junior high at Desperation by Matthew Barnett of a mother in the underground church in China with her children sitting there. Government authorities walk in. They put a gun to her head and a gun to her children's head. Said, you got one choice here. You either tell us that you don't see Jesus as I am or you accept death as the fate for your family. Can you imagine? Mother, her babies, fear filling their eyes, and something that took hold of this mom who said, do what you will to me, to my children, but I see a God who's more precious than life itself. Can you imagine the moment? The moment of a child going, Mom, why? We want to live. We want to live. And yet the words of Paul here are saying, look at me. I know it's hard. I know following Jesus right now is hard. But this, this light and momentary affliction, it does not compare to the eternal weight of glory that is working for you in this moment. Hold fast. Take courage. Take heart. Jesus is I am. Look at me here tonight. I'm asking you to do something bold. The call of the gospel is that you would take up your cross and follow Jesus. What does following Jesus look like? It looks like seeing him as more precious than everything else in your life. It means letting go with seeing yourself as the one who knows all things and placing your life into the hands of the God who holds all things. What happens? What happens if you do it? Your sorrow will turn to joy. Your doubt will turn to faith. Your fear will turn to peace. Why? going a little late. 
but I get a sense in here that faith for a good chunk of you has not been to follow Jesus, but to call yourself a morally good person. And I want to invite you. More than that, I want to ask you to believe and to receive Jesus as I am tonight. To see Jesus as the God who was and is and is to come. I can promise you that in this world, you will have trouble and your life will be hard. But I can promise you that Jesus is enough. He's enough. Can we put the prayer of confession on the screen? If we have it, if we don't have it, here we go. No, that's the Lord's prayer. But that's still good. Keep, nope, that's the Nicene Creed. That's still good too. Starts with most merciful God. Wait for it. Wait for it. Maybe not. Okay, maybe not. This is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head. And I want you to receive these words for yourself. I want you to just hear them. Most merciful God. Confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. I want you to take two minutes here. And I want Victor to play this song over this room. And then I'm going to ask for you to come follow Jesus with me tonight. To give the rest of your summer, the rest of your year, to a God who is worthy of your life. And the second you hear that little voice saying, that cost me too much, I want you to hear Jesus, or Paul's words saying, this light and momentary affliction is working for you an eternal weight of glory. They don't even compare. So I want you to take a moment, be honest between yourself and the Lord as Pastor Victor plays over us. Jesus, I, the center of it all. Jesus, I, the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, I, Jesus, I, the center of it all 
Guess it's all about you from my heart to the heaven. I know we're late on time here. feel it would be right to just leave you like this. I get a great sense there's some people who need some prayer in this room. You need prayer. You've been walking isolated, alone, four months now. And you need prayer. So this is what I want to do. Um, can, I have, can I have my leaders go to the walls? Let's go to the walls if you're one of our volunteers. Um, some of my senior guys in my small group, Charlie, Sean, you guys could hop over here and help. This is what I want to do. We're going to take a couple minutes. I want you to hear me. Four categories of people that I think need prayer in here. One. You've been wrestling with deep sorrow. Deep sorrow. Something's happened with your family. You're dealing with some loss. Some form of pain. I don't know what it is. And you're carrying it by yourself. And I think tonight's night for you to come and just let somebody pray over you. They won't lay hands on you. They won't give you COVID. But to pray for you. Two. I think we have some pretty heavy levels of doubt in here. And you really, really want to believe, and yet you feel like your mind just will not allow you to go there. I have good news for you. There is plenty of space in the family of God for you. Plenty of space. God is not surprised by your doubt. It's an invitation for you to know him more. Number three. I think there's some people in here who are wrestling with some tremendous amounts of fear. And you've been carrying the weight of that fear for a while. And I think tonight, the peace that passes all understanding wants to rest upon your life. And number four, we have people in here who have not given their life to follow Jesus. And I want to invite you come give your life to the Lord tonight to follow him every day every hour every minute of every breath that you have left so this is what I want to do um, Scott can you bring down the lights just a little bit if you are in any of those categories and you need prayer if they're facing in the room they're available to pray with you we're not going to hustle anywhere. I want you to go find somebody right now. Right now. Go. Get moving. There we go. I love it. Come on. Come on. Tonight's night to be the people of God together. Tonight's night to be the church, to be a body. There we go. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I get a sense there's some more people who need prayer. 
Come on, there we go. There we go. It's nice, not a night to be isolated, alone, to carry burdens anymore. Scripture says that prayer from a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let's be the people of God tonight. If you're still sitting in your seat, Pastor Victor, I want you to keep leading us. I want you to pray for these people. If you're still sitting in your seat and you're sitting because you're afraid, because you are so concerned about people seeing you go get prayer, look at me. I want you to get up. I want you to get up. I want you to go get prayer. Just be the family of God here tonight. So if you're still sitting, you don't want any prayer, I want you to pray. I want you to intercede as we continue to worship here for just a couple more minutes. Let's go. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.